welcome to another Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring. My guest is David Cross. I mean, how exciting is that? Very exciting. That is how exciting. I can't wait. Um, if you enjoy these, why don't you go to richardherring.com slash gigs and you can find out if I am doing a comedy show in your area, which you could then pay for and that some of that money will come to me and then I can spend it on uh, toys for my child and shoes and food for my child as well uh, and also luxury items for myself to enjoy um otherwise you can just enjoy it for nothing or just tell your friends about this podcast or go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges and you can make a little contribution there if you like anyway let's listen to david cross welcome to the Leicester square theater please welcome a man who is the lifetime president of the shipwreck museum in charlestown it's richard herring very much hello you are much better than last week's audience just you Welcome to the show. It's called Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. I was down at the uh, Rubik's Cube Championship. <laughs> Rubik's Cube Championship. They, uh, and the kid who could do it the quickest, he did it in like two seconds. He said uh, he loved Rahalastapa. That was that, that's, what he called, that's what he called the show. And so uh, I will just have a look at some... Of, we'll go over to some of the misfits over here. I've got my iPad here. These, these gentlemen look... Uh, I mean, you look like two football fans who've walked in thinking, oh, there's something going on down, down there. I wonder, I've been waiting a long time for the second half of the... I guess it's been a week since they started this game. I wonder what the result... Don't like football... For, you know, you're, you're incapable. <laughs> yeah, OK. That's why you came here. What's your name, sir? The quiet one. Dave? I'd have guessed that if I'd had to guess. Let's start... Hey, Dave... Yeah, uh, I'm going to cut the other bit out. What do you? What's? What's? Uh, if you had to have sex with one of the Muppets, which Muppet would you have sex with, Dave? Gonzo. Gonzo. <laughs> it's also a style of shooting pornography. So that is uh, that's an excellent answer. On what's your name, sir? Uh, Darren. Darren. What's your relationship with Dave, Darren? Are you? That's a horrific thought. You are dressed very... You dress very similarly. <laughs> I mean, I love homosexuality. Just, uh, just the two of you. It's just a, her- a horrific... Horrific picture. Are you the top or the bottom, Darren? The aside. <laughs> Wound fetish. Good. Uh, so, um... <laughs> yeah, I can go worse than anyone in this audience, don't you? Don't you worry. Look at them all there. Look, they're all excited. They hate football. They, they, they hate their country. They're all voting Remain. Anyone? Is there anyone voting uh, exit? Who's, who's voting exit? Anyone? Cheer if you're voting exit. Not a single one. So, Nigel Farage, who by the time this goes out is the Prime Minister, have these people hunted down and have them killed. That's very good. So that's 100% for Remain in, uh, in here. Yeah, people are t- too embarrassed of their fascistic leanings to... <laughs> Never mind. Uh, so, right, we've got, I'm going to move straight on because we've got a fantastic guest who's much more uh, amusing than me. Uh, he is probably best known uh, as uh, Dog 2 in Dr. Doolittle 2. <laughs> so I think everyone agrees is the superior... Dr. Doolittle film and the superior of the two dogs. <laughs> it's David Cross, ladies and gentlemen. Look, look at this. Look at that. His magic. <laughs> we did that for you, David. That's just, 
Thank you very much. Welcome. Come in. We've got more drink for you. Pull up a microphone. How did you do that? Um, I had come here uh, uh, when I when I said I would do this. Yeah. Uh, I flew in a week early um, and uh, uh, waited until about uh, it was roughly 4 a.m. Yeah. And uh, and snuck in. It took me a little while. I had to case the place out, figure out the best entrance yeah. exit. You know, when the alarms go out, I had to, uh, and came in and uh, and realized what I was going to have to do, where I was going to put this stuff. <laughs> Then I had to go to uh, the the best place for this stuff and the, yeah. the, uh, to get it in bulk, and, and for me, bulk is four. Uh, <laughs> is uh, is in Sheffield, so I had to go up to Sheffield, talk yeah. to this guy. I didn't want to like say exactly what it was for, obviously. Then you know somebody would come on and go, "Oh, yeah. fuck that guy," and taking it out. So. Uh, uh, went up to Sheffield, got yeah. got these, and then uh, uh, and I said, "Will it will it stick to my forehead with just a little little bit of saliva?" And he was like, "Yeah." And uh, and uh, uh, spent a day up there uh, in the factory where they make these, ensuring that I could get the right ones, that they would stick. They would, yeah. they, you know, uh, uh, what are the logistically? How is it going to float down? What is yeah. the speed? What I, is the, the exact right the trajectory? I need the trajectory to be. Uh, uh, and like several people have walked across here and it's amazing so that was people who are listening on audio are confused so uh, it's uh, what do you uh, what <laughs> that is, they're very confused that's yeah. a full two minutes where they have no idea where people laugh at and I love just, it don't, don't change it I think you've just it. gone insane um, what do you remember or, you about you know what you should do is just what? underneath it yeah because uh, this doesn't go out for a couple that's weeks that's right it's like, is you get on there and they go what's happening now is um, a bit of a bit of... What would, what would we call that? Is this an impression Perfecti. of me, David? This, no, it's not. This is no. like one of my impressions. You, this is something. you doing a character okay. right. that doesn't have a... That has a questionable English okay. accent. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> What's happening now is a bit of confetti. <laughs> that sound like me. Uh, what do you remember about Dr. Doolittle 2? Oh, uh, what don't I remember? <laughs> uh, I remember... Uh, it, it's kind of similar to the the story I just told. I was, <laughs> I, I'm I uh, I'm I'm very Meisner in my approach to acting. Uh, 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 Stanislavski, Meisner, Grotowski, uh, uh, the theater of the uh, physical, and uh, and what was you know was initially. Uh, Voice, you know, I'm yeah. applying a voice to uh, uh, what was it? A dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So I would have to dog number two. Yeah. This is Doctor Doolittle too, right? Yeah, Doctor Doolittle too. Yeah. I did both of them, and I think oh, it was you? a yeah. you know a marmoset or something in the person. I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I lived with a family of dogs uh, for a year. Um, uh, there were uh, Mongolian sheep herding dogs, uh, uh, which I had, and it was at great cost to me. I mean, because uh, uh, I didn't, I, I mean, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to go to Mongolia and live for a year. So I had to have the entire, uh, uh, I had to replicate the Mongolian, uh, you know, uh, 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 farmland. Uh, uh, and so I had that set up in a, in a place. It's a, it's Palmdale, California. It's, it's kind of a desert. It, it would, it, it, uh, 
the, we had to bring in uh, cooling systems for, uh, it was about a, a 19 square mile radius and, um, and replicate the Mongolian and, and then bring them in and then uh, and bring in people, because uh, I don't speak, uh, uh, I don't know what the language of uh, Mongolia is. No. Uh, I, I would assume it's some sort of Russian-Chinese hybrid kind of thing. And I don't speak that, so I had to bring in people, because I, I wanted the dogs to be able to understand me, uh, and I knew the dogs wouldn't speak English. And um, so I brought in uh, people who could translate for the dogs. And then, uh, and by the time I got all of that uh, uh, logistically in place, uh, that took months and months and months because of visas and everything. This is shortly after 9-11, so it was like a real, uh, it was very tough security-wise. And and it really only left me with about... uh, like nine weeks to study, and that's not enough. So I asked, uh, I asked the uh, the studio, could they postpone? <laughs> All right, that's, that's enough. That is enough. <laughs> Very good. You uh, <laughs> you have lived for a while in Roswell, but not the interesting Roswell. No, Roswell in Georgia. Yeah. Shame is in New Mexico. We could have talked about that for ages, uh, but uh, you probably did... couldn't because, yeah. uh, as I understand it, Area Fifty One has no access. So right. it would just be stories of like, yeah, I got up to the perimeter. And <laughs> if you hung lived out, if you lived in Roswell, you would see things. So. And occasionally an alien would come down from the Area Fifty One for to do some well, shopping. Well, um, I mean. It, 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 in th- I mean, there's got to be one of the aliens who are there who uh, really wants to... First of all, they're aliens, so they've got to be a superior intellect, right? They, I mean, to Americans? Come on. <laughs> Come on. They'd have to be massively more yeah, intelligent no, than, uh, than the Americans currently in New Mexico. And, uh, <laughs> and you'd think somebody would just figure out a way to get out of there and yeah. get the story out. You would, you know? Um, but did you go to Barrington Hall much in Roswell, Georgia? <laughs> I don't know what that is. What is? Yeah. I mean, did I can you, see you looking at your. Uh, did you go to the teaching museum book? Did you go to the teaching museum north that didn't open until 1991? So you probably uh, weren't there at the no, time. No, I was. I was uh, gone by then. Yeah. I was in Boston. Did, at that point. Would you consider going back to Roswell to visit the teaching museum? It's a museum of all the. Teaching in the Georgia, the North Georgia area, I think. If there is a museum yeah. dedicated to teaching yeah. in Georgia, yeah. then that is a, a one-room schoolhouse. Uh, look, I'm a product of public education, uh, and uh, it's not good. I can't. I can barely spell. I can't. Uh, it's it's embarrassing. <laughs> And I and I I blame society. <laughs> That's good. All right. Um, so you are you're partly English. You've got English blood yep. within you. Your dad's from Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Yep. As I am. So that's right. a good thing. And drinking uh, bitter. Yeah. Yep. You're quite an Anglophile. That isn't a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> the file suffix has been ruined. It's a very positive thing generally. So you, you, you love England. You've lived in England on and off for quite I, a while. I do. I, I absolutely love it here, and, uh, and my wife does as well. And uh, um, uh, we, I, I haven't spent too much time outside of London, and I need to spend more. Uh, uh, 
but I, there's uh, nothing else anywhere else. <laughs> the, um, well, I was just in Manchester for the second time oh, yeah. last night, and I loved it there. And uh, um, and I'll be going to Leeds. I was in Leeds once for some uh, ill-conceived idea of discovering my roots. Yeah. It was not a thought out or wise. Uh, <laughs> in fact, here, it's really it, my. Uh, just to preface this, my my father. And his entire family uh, came over to the States, uh, like on the boat. Uh, he was the youngest of five kids, and uh, a whole bunch of people came over. And he was like 14 or 15 at the time. And uh, uh, and I am estranged from him. He's a, he's, a, he's a prick. He's a fucking asshole. And uh, um, no, I'm not casting aspersions on Yorkshire. Uh, <laughs> But he's a uh, no. He's a piece of shit, and um, and I've been estranged from him for quite a while. But uh, uh, and my sister and I, I have a couple sisters, but we're, we're the sister I'm close with. I was here. There was like a three day weekend. I think a bank holiday. Everybody who was working on the show I was working on was off with their families, and I was like, oh, I'll take this opportunity to go to Leeds, um, and. I, it was not thought out at all. I don't know what I was thinking, but I got off the train, and I called my sister, and I'm like, hey, you're never going to guess where I am. She's like, where? And she knew I was in London. I was like, I'm in Leeds. And she went, why? <laughs> and, and, I, and then I was like, I don't, I don't know. I thought maybe I'd feel a presence or a thing would I go, this is who I am, yeah. you know. But uh, that actually occurred when I first came uh, to England for the very first time when back in the 90s. Uh, uh, and that was a very uh, visceral, vivid feeling that I can still remember and recall of, of understanding so much about me when I was here, uh, when I was here for the first time. And, and, uh, and, there's part of it was romanticizing it, and as you said, yeah. I'm an Anglophile, and I uh, uh, I grew up worshiping, you know, Monty Python and and and, and the Who, and just all different uh, aspects of British culture. And um, my birthday dinner was always fish and chips, for real. And uh, yeah. and I love that shit, and I love the rain and all. And I got here. I'm not kidding. And I grew up in a in a place that was wildly different from yeah. that and uh and i which i also never felt uh in tune with or a part of and uh and it was one of those things i walked into a pub and it was raining and, and it was uh shitty and i was in a, it was a it was a dumb it was a dumb show it was over here for and the, there was no budget it was a shithole little piece of it was awful uh <laughs> Uh, motel thing, hotel, uh, uh, and all of Leeds is like that. To be fair, so that's. Uh, <laughs> and I just remember, I, I remember ordering a pint yeah. and sitting there and uh, wet and somewhat miserable, uh, <laughs> and going, "Oh, I get it now." <laughs> I get, I, and that's still who I am, in, in yeah. part. I, I, I'm, I'm quite comfortable in. Uh, depressing, gloomy, you know, uh, situations. And uh, so, yeah. And, I, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, that's a difficult thing to imagine coming back and, you know, seeing in a completely different environment and country, but also from a, a parent that you're not close to at all as well. So your mother's uh, American or... Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, what a brilliant interviewer I am. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> that was the bit I should have put under the explaining. For people who didn't understand what had just happened, I'll just sum that up. Uh, so... <laughs> um, you mentioned Mr. Show. It's, it's kind of interesting because I think, like, probably like a lot of people, uh, British people, I kind of became aware of you via Arrested Development, which, um, you know, absolutely. It was one of those shows I, that the first time I saw it, I couldn't understand what was going on at all. I think I dipped in into the middle. Mm-hmm. And then, and like nearly all my favourite comedy shows, I thought, I don't like this. And then I watched it and went, oh no, I really like this. It's like, I think it's genuinely top three sitcoms of all time for me. It's an yeah, amazing yeah. show. But you've been doing stuff... Big Bang Theory. Uh, <laughs> That's very good. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> oh, and then Friends. Wait, um, <laughs> I would say Community, which you've also been in. I fucking love Community. Yeah. Love Community. Lo- I-, I have such a deep appreciation for... Uh, specifically the writing on that show. I think everything about it is great, but uh, I can just see... I know how hard it is to write, and and people who don't write, uh, and I don't mean this to sound uh, condescending at all, but people who don't do that do not understand, don't have an appreciation in a a more marked way than people who don't act, don't have an appreciation for acting or directing or any of those other things. If you don't know how difficult it is to have nothing and then to write something that makes sense that has different characters and you tell a story and, and uh, uh, the things you don't put in, um, mm. it's really hard to do. And, and I, I think community is just uh, tremendous writing. Yeah, well, it really. I mean, because it's all the characters nearly always have something to do every week. And it's, cause and it's like, about something. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a, a, a heart to it. And there's, a, yeah. there's a meaning to it. Uh, and... It's it's uh, it walks the line of you know being absurdist and crazy and silly, but it, it's grounded enough, just enough. Uh, I, I really uh, I really dig the writing on that show. Yeah. Well, and also the other thing that I'm obsessed with at the moment is Rick and Morty, which you've also been in. Yeah, that I haven't seen. You've <laughs> not seen it. <laughs> it's I've awesome. heard. I, I know people love it. I know people love it a it's lot. Awesome. Yeah, I did that because Dan Harmon. Yeah. you know, was like, do you want? It? I was like, I'm a. I, worship Dan Harmon sure. uh, and I think he's amazing and uh, I just said yeah, yeah. You know, whatever you want me to do so. but you kind of, you've kind of worked with a lot of these guys who are the, the big American guys again just like, Dan Harmon well Dan Harmon I, mean, I'm, I'm, I don't really know much about Dan Harmon beyond his work and that he might be a little bit difficult to work with sometimes or just he's very well that's certainly the, the, the rep and I, and I understand that he's a, he's, he's a very specific uh, I, I don't think he's made for Hollywood no you know and uh, um, but that's where that's what he does that's where you have to do it yeah so you know but you've worked with Judd Apatow early on mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Hurwitz of course in Arrested Development Mitch, Mitch Hurwitz yeah Mitch Hurwitz sorry one idiot <laughs> yeah, well, Mike, Michael's his brother and uh, he was a oh. he was a grip on the show yeah that's so. right that's right, that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of people make that mistake Richard but, <laughs> You started well. The, 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 this, this is the thing that I've become aware of just because of the internet and and social media that you'll suddenly get sent a sketch from Mr. Show, which is mm. your sort of mid nineties sketch show, right? Which was on HBO. It was no sort of about it. It was. It was uh, definitely it, was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and so you get you get these amazing sketches about you know the, the, the I think the first one I saw was the one with the thimble collection where oh yeah yeah story, <laughs> the story of the story yeah, of the story yeah. of Everest uh, and then there's the one of you um, being 
the pre-recorded show that's very good but uh, the it's how did you get to the stage where where you were doing that so that was mid-90s you started in stand-up or in doing sketch mm-hmm. shows in clubs yes I, I started doing stand-up uh and i was a, a real fuck up for a long time i mean i was uh very very happy uh, due to a mixture of irresponsibility uh and and not and kind of a fear of success and not wanting to really, you know, uh, in, in this very, uh, as I look back, you know, silly, pretentious idea of like, I don't want to go to Hollywood. I don't want to do that shit. I want to be pure and, you know, whatever, uh, that I truly felt those things. And, uh, and I want my stand up to be, you know, honest and, uh, and, uh, so I start, I was doing stand up and then I had a sketch group that was um, in, in Boston that would specifically come out of uh, uh, open mic nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's how it started for like two years where we'd have fake, uh, uh, it was really th- well thought out. Uh, um, we'd have plants in the audience. We'd have fake people who were, wait, we had them wait in line with all the other people who were waiting in line <laughs> to, to do stand up. And, and so the audience would never suspect that these people were, uh, um, you know, fakes, and then it would just before they knew it, there would only be like three comics that would go up. I would host the show, and then it would just turn into our sketch show, and nobody yeah. knew it for for a year. You know, until we got kind of uh, notorious for that, and people understood what was happening. But um, but it was a great, cool thing to do. And then uh, we, I had written sketches in that group, and then uh, a, a very close friend of mine, Ginny Garofalo. Uh, who was a stand-up at the time, one of my friends, still friend, Peter, went out to L.A., got on the Stiller show, Ben Stiller show, and then had me send some of those sketches there, and that's how I got into that. Because there was quite, it's an amazing group of people you've worked with early on who've all gone on in different ways, like at different levels, but you would, you know, you recognize all those guys from Mr. Show. It was an incredible time. It was a really... we didn't really know it at the time, but it was really pretty radical. Yeah, you know. Uh, we, we, I was also in a mid nineties uh, sketch show <laughs> in the UK. Uh, can I? Can, but, I, can you yeah. give me one second? Was it? Uh, was it any good? <laughs> was it? Okay, it didn't seem it's very enthusiastic. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an honest appraisal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It reminds there's there's similarities I think between Mr. Show and Fist of Fun in terms of an, in the enjoyment of pedantry I think it's probably you know it's like what, what I love about it and and subsequently which I want to get onto the new show you're doing with uh, with Bob but it's uh, it's it's of taking an idea and stretching it and testing yeah, patience yeah. and and it's quite different than a lot a lot of more traditional sketches that say Saturday Night Live which is sure, the, sure. what we're seeing of America and sketch shows over here um, but uh, what's interesting in the net is that with Netflix you're now you've, you've got back uh, with Bob uh, Odenkirk mm-hmm. and are doing uh, how many episodes I've, I've watched three episodes of it is that have I nearly got to the we, end of the yeah you're, <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you're three quarters of the way through oh, let's God, put it that way one more um, to look forward to. you got one more and then there's like a behind the scenes thing uh, but that's not really that's oh, George, the incompetent sound guy, who said, "Oh, you've got to watch this before." And it was obviously I wouldn't anyway. But he said he watched the documentary and he got he watched twenty minutes twenty minutes before he realised it wasn't going to be a new. Show. Was it a sketch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the best part of it. If you don't watch it in a new order and you watch that first, like it's really dry. <laughs> it's 
very esoteric. It's kind of ballsy. Yeah. But I think what's quite interesting is you don't see many, uh, if I may call you as I am, a middle-aged man, man doing sketches anymore. I hope I'm middle-aged. Yeah. That will, that will be, I'll live to be 104. Well, That'd be awesome. I think it's a, a period of time. Well, it's one, not. One <laughs> You're in the middle bit. Um, but it's quite, it's quite unusual. A lot of people do sketches and then move on to other stuff, so it's, and, which you obviously have done. But to come back to sketches as uh, you know, a, a more mature group of people, the same group of people as did Mr. Show yeah. a lot of the time, it's really interesting to see it because they're, they're actually brilliant the sketches well thank you uh, wait do you mean that in the British way or the American way <laughs> really good okay I mean in the American way that's a compliment in the okay. British way that's like you know I've, I've had a you know an after dinner mint that somebody <laughs> described as brilliant so uh, uh, so uh, because, uh, because I think sketches are so often just si- you know they're silly they're, they're something you do in your 20s and they're often silly sure. and, they're, and they're not that thoughtful but there are a lot of these, even though they're quite surreal. In uh, we, I can't remember which was Dave, Bob and with Bob and David, isn't it? That's the, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. title of the, the show. Um, they're they're like little plays as well as being these surreal little twists where they all link together. So they're 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 more about the human condition under, underneath it all. Do you think? Well, I, I think that might be a bit uh, grandiose, yeah. you know. But uh, I mean, I appreciate it. But I think <laughs> I think you're. Uh, uh, I mean, we always. One of the things that we prided ourselves on was, uh, and I think made our stuff a little distinctive from SNL and all the other stuff that was out there, uh, is that there was kind of a story to be told, and there was some pathos and humanity, even in the, the, the dumbest, silliest yeah. stuff. There was like, uh, uh, we had those moments. And, um, uh, but going back to something you said, uh, it was one of the coolest things about regrouping uh, for with Bob and David, which was, um, you know, we were more uh, mature and experienced. We had 15 years under a belt yeah. when we came back, and there was, and it really cut through a lot of the bullshit that existed when we were, we were younger and we weren't respected yet, and we weren't a thing yet, and we yeah. were still finding our voice and figuring stuff out, and and there was competition within the writers, uh, uh, like this unspoken kind of. Uh, hierarchy that this 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 inferred hierarchy that didn't really exist, but people would fight to get their stuff on, and and uh, um, and there were there were like jealousies, and now you've got this same group of people together, and they know at this point like that's not how it works, and everybody was very quick, all of us, if a bit wasn't working, and we could you know we gave it some time to fix it, but we don't have the luxury of a ton of time, so you fucking figure it out later, lose it. And nobody was precious with their material, and that was a huge difference and allowed us to just work on the stuff we needed to work on. There was no, uh, you know, we didn't have to, like, uh, walk on eggshells around somebody because they were upset because their bit didn't get on. We didn't have to sit down and talk to them and explain it. I mean, there was just none of that. We were all adults, and we all, and, and all those guys have, you know, are, and a lot of them are successful in their own right yeah. now. And uh, so that was a huge difference. And yeah. it just allowed us to get in there, have fun, work on it. And, you know, nobody, yeah. nobody was precious about anything, you know, and that's a key. Yeah. Well, it's sort of, it's a game changer, the internet and, and Netflix as well. I mean, obviously Netflix has been amazingly, for both you and Bob, and the Arrested Development went on to Netflix and, uh, and they've given you this, uh, this series. Are you going to do more of the sketch show? 
Uh, we would love to. It's it's really all about our schedule, and, and Bob with Better Call Saul has a very specific... Yeah. Uh, I mean, those are hard dates, and we know what they are, and he has his other projects that he wants to do. He, he uh, um, In fact, that's why I'm on this tour now, is because we were talking about doing another round uh, in, in the... <laughs> you know, five months he has off from shooting Saul and promoting it. Um, but he had a movie that he had wanted to do. And I mean, for 10 years, he's been trying to do it and he was able, Netflix gave him the money to do it. And he ended up shooting that. Well, during the time that he had off, uh, uh, starring, co-starring my, my wife actually. Uh, um, and, um, and they made out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird to in the film, right? No, no. No, no. Uh, it was behind the craft services truck. But it was, it was a strange feeling to know that, oh, my God. Uh, it's, it's, it's just weird that somebody else is making out with Bob and not me. And, <laughs> I'm like, that's mine. That's mine. Yeah, and uh, well, you know, <laughs> teach his own. Right, I'm going to ask you uh, an emergency question. Why do we have frozen peas? <laughs> My wife asked me the other day. Okay. Um, sure. Why the why peas and really no other vegetables? Well, I think the first thing to say is uh, that's uh, silly. There's plenty of frozen vegetables. <laughs> uh, uh, a cursory look in your frozen food section will tell you. <laughs> There are, but I don't think anyone buys those. Um, well, of course they buy them because the, they wouldn't continue to. They might be the same ones. They're frozen. Okay, so so following this logic, yeah. that um, I think someone gave it a go ten years okay, ago. Okay, do you think carrots. that they they repackage them as no, the, they as the packaging becomes modern and and. <laughs> Because frozen food is uh, uh, has been around since I, as I uh, as I I don't know why I know this, but a man named Birdseye in the states uh, started uh, uh, patented the process of frozen vegetables, and that was in the late '30s. So obviously the the packaging is uh, switched as yeah. as we've gotten modern printing and fonts and all and, and colors and the and the way to market things are different. So they take the same. <laughs> Contents that have been around since the late 30s, early 40s, yep. and just uh, un, you know, scissor the bags open, then put them in the new bag and go, we'll just let them hang out here for another 10 years. <laughs> and then when somebody, uh, usually an immigrant who doesn't speak uh, English as a first or second language, comes up and they go to purchase them, the person uh, you know, who's getting minimum wage is paid to go, uh, no, 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 these aren't for sale. Uh, you need to put them back. <laughs> I'd be done. That's ridiculous. They, if someone chose them, they would be allowed to buy them, but they don't. They, because they have fresh. Veg- My wife pointed out we have fr- most other vegetables. You'll have fresh in your yeah. in your fridge. Tell your wife. Yeah. Uh, ask your wife. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. My wife. Ask your wife. I don't like that tone of voice. Like- my wife. <laughs> You ask your wife yeah. when the last time she saw a bunch of fresh peas was. <laughs> well, why, why do Where? When? Them? Where? Where are get, the fresh peas? And why, Mark, does, why doesn't she bet them? get them? You can get them in Marks and Spencers, but they're in a little kind of little bag like that. And then you have to eat them straight away, don't you? Or they're in pods. Well, I think you have just answered your question. 
of why there are frozen. That's but why, why there are frozen peas, so you can have them and not eat them straight away. But why only frozen peas? <laughs> I think I've, I've done a fair, a fair job at destroying that concept. <laughs> that peas are the only frozen vegetable. Are you circumcised? Yeah. My, my, uh, my great, 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 cut to six months later. Great, great, great grandfather Abraham made a pact with God. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, this is, these were simpler times. There were not many people on the planet. This is a simpler time. And he made a pact with God who asked him, uh, or kind of demanded it. I wouldn't say he asked him to do this, but <laughs> that he would cut off the, the tip of his foreskin. That was yeah. something that God came up with. Um, Abraham was not into it at the, at the time, but certainly, <laughs> certainly amenable to it. It's God. And, um, you know, he had a, a, a daily conversation with God um, and that was you know that, that was after he God had told him hey sacrifice your son Isaac, yeah, Isaac. you know and uh, and he was about to do it and God was like whoa whoa wait 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 I, okay I was just testing you and and Abraham uh, you know went oh okay I was gonna say and then then God and we're directly related. And then God said to Abraham, uh, uh, okay, okay, I appreciate what you were going to do there. Just just cut off the tip of your dick. <laughs> and, and anyway, that's the, the yeah. long answer to that yeah. question. When you masturbate, is, is the first stroke away or towards... <laughs> Uh, well, you have an iPad. Let's look at the... Let's, I've got plenty of that. I mean, that's how yeah. I make a lot of side money is putting that stuff on. You want to go to... Hang on. I'm going to go to Pornhub, and let me just do this. And then it is uh, category self, uh, C-list celebrity, wink. Let me get... Hang on, hang on. And then i got to go to C. There's uh, David Cassidy. Oh, that was a and then there, there's cross. So let's uh, let's view it and looks like a way. The way. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out to be a good question that came up in the in the last show. Uh, so it was. A and what was the answer? What was the other person's answer? Was, it, was he, it as funny he, as mine? Was it, it just, good? Was it better? It was, was it funnier? Yours was, it, was better. What do you think? Was it, was it mine? Well, mine was better. Right? Mine question. was funnier. Was it, my mine was more thoughtful. Mine was. Thinking about it, he didn't answer the question. Did he just answered mine, mine was better than that. Me. Was bad interviewing by me again. I didn't. I should have gotten it. answer the question, Marcus. Which is it? Um, good. Yours is very good. Uh, it's the it's the best one so far. To that to that. <laughs> <laughs> that one, but there's. Uh, I can't wait to ask Susie Dent next next week. Well, you can you can just uh, reframe it. <laughs> we could. Yeah. I mean, you could just say, when "Have you're... you been female genitally mutilated?" <laughs> and yeah. when you start masturbating on the sexual organs, you don't. Is know, it clockwise you know or counterclockwise? Clockwise, <laughs> counterclockwise. <laughs> do you watch Do you watch Countdown? That's filmed in Leeds, I believe. No. No, okay. 
that's part of your heritage, you should really watch that. I know, I will. All right, fine, fine. It's a great... It's a great, it's a great very excited about me meeting Susie Dent. Uh, I probably won't be this nervous, let's face it. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, what the fuck is going on uh, in America with all the... All the Dave, Donald Trump and the shootings and stuff. What's that about? Um, I know. If only we could merge those two things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Who'd have thought this week we'd get a round of applause for suggesting <laughs> shooting a politician? Uh, so, uh, wow. Wow. That's you. Nice. Don't, don't come and me. That's you. That's, That's what good. you did. <laughs> That's what you did. Uh, have you learned nothing? Um, yeah, well, I mean, uh, uh, with, with Trump, uh, a lot of people, I think, I think there's, uh, it, it, it gets to that point, and I can't speak for 320 million Americans, but I can speak for a lot of them. I can speak for 300 million of them. And, um, <laughs> there was a, a point where we started getting... Uh, it wasn't. We were getting annoyed. We were getting uh, sick and tired uh, of uh, all these people all around the world going. Well, it can't get worse than George W. Bush, <laughs> and uh, and it's oh, it's a, it's a it's a kind of patronizing attitude. And we were like, eh. and then we just heard that forever and ever. And then we were like, you know what? Fuck these motherfuckers. (laughs) We'll show them that it can get worse than George W. Bush. And so that's where Trump uh, came from. It was it was us getting tired of of really mostly Europe, you know, uh, going. Oh, he was terrible. He was the worst. It can't get worse than that. What were you thinking? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck these guys. And then so that's why we got Trump. Uh, And he's in on it. He knows what's going. (laughs) Totally in on it. He's kind of, it's interesting as a comedian with Donald Trump because he's not, you can't really satirise him. A, because what he's doing is sort of beyond satire in a way, but also it's, it sort of ingests satire like a sort of comedy-eating machine and turns it to his strength, doesn't he? But let's, let's acknowledge that it is absolutely unprecedented. What is happening is unprecedented. This is, there's no, there's nothing in the English-speaking world that is remotely, and especially for the, the most powerful, uh, richest country uh, uh, on earth, that, that a guy like this could rise to the uh, level that he's risen to. I mean, it's unprecedented. And, and you know, I was joking, obviously, about, uh, or not joking, but making light of, like, George W. Bush couldn't be worse. But I think a lot of people thought that, myself included. Yeah. It, that is the... The nadir. That is. That's it. That is the bottom. That it could never get worse than that guy. And when you compare the two, I mean, Bush looks like a fucking Rhodes Scholar. He looks like because part of the uh, the the knock on Bush was he was uh, simple. He wasn't intellectually curious. He wasn't articulate. Uh, and and Trump is is below that. He's below every in every category. Uh, his verbal skills are terrible. His uh, he's a narcissist. He's uh, and, and I don't think Bush was. Uh, I don't. Th- I think I don't think George Bush ever wanted to become president. Uh, for one, I think that was clear from the very beginning. And and I think to Trump, it's just an ego thing. Mm. And uh, and 
but the other side of it is how does he get so popular is you have to remember that uh, a lot of people don't vote in America. Uh, it was a Republican uh, uh, primary, and the rest of the field was pathetic, and there was nobody that was exciting. Nobody had any kind of real – nobody um, had anything uh, uh, – logical or specific to say it was all pandering to emotional bullshit it's very much like uh there's a there's a direct parallel i was talking about this tonight at dinner um to what's happening in in britain and the uh the eu referendum Mm -hmm. i mean it really has gotten into this uh very quickly into this uh uh simplistic nationalistic shit when nationalism is just uh a, a cover for racism it's racism that's what nationalism is and has become. It's it's racist, and and uh, uh, and it's the same thing in the states. And and it's except there's no there's no veil. There's no like uh, 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 we're not couching it in certain terms anymore. And that's the uh, simultaneously the the awful thing about Trump, and also the good thing that we'll look back on this and go they they didn't pretend anymore. They're just being racist, and they're proud of it, and they're appealing, and they don't care that there's a bunch of left-wing, you know, uh, PC people going, hey, you're being racist. They don't give a shit anymore, and they're, they're stopped, they're, they've stopped pretending to. And as scary as that is, at least it, it, it allows us to address it on that level. We don't have to couch it in, in you know, terms. We, we don't have to see... There are people, like, for me... I, now I'm, I'm really kind of hopping around here, but uh, uh, the, the, the term the N-word, uh, the phrase, the N-word, I, I hate. I know I'm in the mi- minority, ironically, on this, but uh, um, <laughs> it's such a childish, simplistic thing that I think has done more damage than just, because now you've got people who are racist saying the phrase the N-word. It's like, and, and the real racists say nigger. That's the word they use. I yeah. grew up in Georgia. I lived in Boston for nine years. People say the word nigger a lot, and they say it with hatred and venom, and they point a finger. And, and now you've got, you, you had a, a several years where those people were kind of, you know, uh, cowed, and, and now they've come back. And I think it's a, it's so shocking, and it's so harsh and awful that we can we can start having the dialogue again, and I don't know I don't know what the fix is. I don't know. Uh, I suppose it's generational, and you have to appeal to. I I I don't think simply putting a bumper sticker on your car saying "coexist" and we all need to love each other is going to work, and we we know that it doesn't work. Um, otherwise, you know, California would be the United States of America, and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've really uh, lost my train of thought here. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I just think I, when I, I always thought I'd argued with like you know Hitler if he'd been in Britain. So was, a, was that a cheer for Hitler there? So it's already started. Uh, I, think, he, I think no. I think you said I would always argue with Hitler. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd always, and I, w- I would always argue not about everything. But no, it's. Uh, <laughs> No, he was uh, sartorially. He was uh, a nice jacket. Uh, 
but I thought it, it could never happen in Britain, really. You know, there's always been like that right wing and there's been fascism in England and the Britain. But I always thought that the humour of the British people would mean if Hitler was there, you know, someone would be going, hey, Adolf, you know, eat your fucking shoes, you Charlie Chaplin prick, you know. So they, 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 they would have... T- if, he, if he turned up with that moustache in Britain, he would, people would have taken the piss out of him, right? And, and, and it would never have got anywhere. And that's why he kind of shut down all the cabaret and everything because he didn't want people mocking him. But I don't think with I don't think with Trump it matters. Like you say, I don't think that I don't think the left wing people saying you've got to say this that they, it's like people love the ignorance of the position. They like they like to laugh in the face of statistics and evidence and say you know we don't like experts anymore. We prefer to guess. Uh, what the, so I, that's what scares me about it is I don't think I don't think you can take Trump down with 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 humour. No, I think he, as long as he... There's a, there's a difference between Trump, the person, and uh, leaving or remaining in the EU as a referendum. Those are two different yeah. things. I think Trump as a person, uh, uh, he represents a bunch of people, but he also... Uh, he's, he's going to fail because he's uh, a narcissist, and he even if people... If it gets to the point where nobody's talking about him, then he's he's he goes away. He's a, he's not a success. Yeah. And he he's uh, truly narcissistic, and he and he loves the uh, attention, and he's got enough people now to support him. Uh, uh, who, when he says, "Look, you know, uh, these people are protesting," and and it could eventually be ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people protesting against him, and he's got. 0.01% of people going, yeah, we love you, Donald. And that's that's all he needs to see to keep going because people are talking about him. Yeah. That's all that he cares about is people talking about him. And and But with the, the referendum, that's just a, that's a, and that's a, you can't personify it. You know, well, Farage, I guess. But, uh, you know, you can't, but even uh, Farage is, uh, is, is vastly more, uh, intelligent than donald trump he is you can disagree with him yeah but he's more intelligent than donald trump he is he's yeah, more uh, that's true yeah oh well <laughs> we're fucked right so uh it's i mean i i have i have a joke that i've been doing this isn't gonna come out for a couple weeks right it isn't it's not right. so i have a joke that i've been doing about uh you know people people have compared trump and they have. They've compared Trump to Hitler, you know, which I think is is just uh, absurd. It's ridiculous. You know, it, it's 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 just not true. I mean, uh, you know, Hitler was articulate and had well thought out ideas, and, <laughs> and it's an insult to Hitler to compare him to Trump. <laughs> do you think he won't? Do he won't win, will he? And Trump no, he win. will not. He won't for for a couple different reasons. Yeah. But you know something could happen. That's why. That's why I thought with uh, Farage, just takes like a couple of scandals, like a prime minister put his cock in a pig's mouth, and <laughs> if that all happened on the same week as the election. Well, that you know. won't happen with the Democratic candidate. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so you've been working with uh, Sean Pye on uh, the Todd Margaret. Mm-hmm. How did you meet up? Because Sean Pye is the guy that I think people will know as. 
He's Greg. an extra. Yeah, Greg. So he's the um, he's the the extra who gets the line in the bill in in, in extras. The kind of is that is that right? No, no. Uh, uh, yeah, he's Greg. Yeah, and, yeah. So he's the one that uh, Ricky Gervais aspires to. So you you've been writing the t- three series of this show with, with him. Yeah. How, how he, did you how did you meet up with? Uh, uh, well, just to, to briefly preface it. Uh, okay. uh, uh, it was Sean and I did the pilot in the first series, and then uh, we brought in. Uh, it was Mark Chapel, okay. and it was, so Sean, Mark Chapel, and I for the last two series. Um, and sh- I met. I came over here uh, to meet up with potential uh, uh, co-writers, creators, and um, I met with a lot of great people, some personal heroes of mine, uh, and uh, like over a week, I, met, I probably. Gosh, I, I mean, I met with somewhere between 15 and 20 people. Uh, um, and uh, and some I knew right away this isn't going to work. And some were I just, I just want to spend, you know, as much time in the presence of this person talking to them because I'm so excited about it and I love their work. And, um, and then at the – Sean was literally the last guy, uh, the last day of a long day of meeting people. And – I didn't. I just couldn't sit in that room anymore, and I and I was like, "Hey, man, is it is it cool? Do you can we go to a pub? I just got to get a drink, and you know, let's can we meet there?" And then we ended. It was so unfair to everybody else, but, <laughs> uh, and we did hit it off right away. Yeah. I mean, that's not it's not to say that we didn't uh, uh, hit it off, and we're still friends, and uh, you know, I love him, and he's he's brilliant. But he was lucky in the timing. As I was like, "Yeah, let's go to the pub," and we just sat in the pub for. I mean fucking till it was closing you know four or five hours just drinking and and uh so the the other people think weren't uh, accorded that kind of uh informal uh meeting but um yeah we hit it off right away and uh and again just hung out and drank for hours and making each other laugh and stuff and was it just uh channel four right is it the it was initially uh uh, co-production channel four ifc in the states yeah and uh channel four for the ifc for the first series and then channel four dropped out once um (laughs) what's uh it rhymes with cunt hunt uh um (laughs) Uh, what's her name? The the lady there who who chose not to pick us up, okay. um, Jane Jane Cunt. Uh, no, no, it's Hunt. I just I remember her name by remembering. Oh, right, it rhymes with Cunt. It's her last name rhymes with what she is. Okay, so uh, um, so I remember that. That's how I remember her name. She's yeah. So she chose to uh, drop out, and uh, but then IFC was came in and. Okay. and Rose to the occasion. As it were. <laughs> so it was just you. What they, 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 why would why did you come to the UK? Was it just that there was interest in the UK and you coming over doing stuff, or was that your choice? No, it was. Uh, I was doing. Uh, I was doing two weeks at the Hundred Club, doing stand up with uh, myself and some friends, and we were at the Hundred Club for uh, on Oxford Street. And after a show, these two women came up to me and. Uh, you know, and I, by the end of the show, I was drunk, and it was very celebratory. And you know, the hundred club, there's some like ventilation. Everybody's crammed in there, and it's just loud and raucous. And uh, and they're like, "Oh, we were wanted to uh, 
talk to you about doing a show here in the uh, in the UK that a comedy show that we do as a co-production and this is like hi yeah okay great and then uh, took their card and I fucking never talked to them I did like okay great all right lady and uh, and then just continued doing shots and hanging out with my friends and all that stuff and then a couple days later I, I remember where I was I was in a cab to go do this other thing and uh, and then I remember like two days later going sitting in that cab going wait, those, they asked me about doing a TV show here. That sounds like a good idea. What the fuck are you dismissing it for? And then, and then I started uh, uh, thinking about it, and then I got back in touch with them, and I met with them. And, and that, so they approached me about doing uh, a show that could be, uh, and I didn't know what that show would be. Right. And I knew I couldn't do a, uh, uh, I wasn't uh, confident in doing an English accent all the way through and, and, and nailing it. So I knew I, my character would have to be from the States or Canada. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, so it put some restrictions on whatever the idea would be. And anyway, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't asked to uh, come and meet you then. Uh, so, um... oh, you were. <laughs> I'll send you uh, some Fist of Fun. I'll send you the Fist of Fun DVD, yeah. and I think you might want to rethink. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I owe you a lot because you were one of the first people to invest in Kickstarter. Yeah, I was the first person. Yeah, yeah. So, what attracted you to Kickstarter, and how much of my money do you get every time I, I raise don't, a pound? I don't. It's it's not a publicly <laughs> traded company, so uh, Jesus, I wish it was. I'd be a fucking multimillionaire. But uh, uh, they're very. They're very vocal about being, you know, they're, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like a green company or something like that. Yeah. But they're, they're very, we're never going to go public. That's not our thing. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, that's great for them. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, my cousin had done a book with uh, Perry Chen, the guy who, whose idea it was, and said, you know, my friend has a great idea. Would you meet with him? And he's looking for investors. And, and I met this kid, you know, who lived in a, you know, apartment with six other roommates in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn and uh, had to sign an NDA, which I thought was silly, you know, like a non-disclosure agreement. And we met. We're like, whatever. And we met at some place in the East Village in New York and uh, had lunch. And he told me the idea, and it's immediately a brilliant idea. I didn't know how it would work. I didn't know the technicality of, of how you make that work, but it's just a fucking great idea and and it was uh just stripped of everything else it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful wonderful great idea and uh and yeah i was like yeah sure i'll, I'll give you some money and i right. gave him some money and uh and then yeah it turned out to be successful and, and global and that's great if it was such a good idea why didn't they kickstart it to start <laughs> <laughs> right Chicken, egg, I got it. <laughs> it is a good idea. I'm doing a sketch. It's fucking I'm doing awesome. a sketch show uh, the, in the autumn that we funded via, and we do usually do this it's, it's, via it as well. It's so cool. I mean, I did. I distributed my movie through Kickstarter. Right. I I I uh, screened it at Sundance and then here at Sundance in London, and uh, we didn't. We weren't happy with the offers we got. They were very kind of standard. It was just going to disappear. So uh, it, the producers came up with the idea like what if we kickstart self-distributing it and we were able to get it in places it would never go to and that was all it would never happen in an era before kickstarter so that was cool cool well thank you for helping my career by doing that uh, <laughs>
You could just give me the money, but it's... Uh, it's... <laughs> I feel like we're uh, winding down. Yeah, no, we're, we can do. But, uh... I, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the audience no, here. I think, uh... <laughs> I think they're, they're fascinated uh, by you. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not fascinated. I'm saying uh, <laughs> let's can... not overstay our welcome. We will. <laughs> oh, you don't know what this podcast is about. <laughs> Should you change the name to Overstaying or Welcome? Yeah. <laughs> if you overstay your welcome, you know this. It starts getting funny again after it starts getting very all right. interesting. They're, they're all anxious about the. Of Guys, Wales hang one. on till 3 a.m. <laughs> 3 nil to Wales. I tell you, the people that listen to this at home are going to be so excited. When that, that wait, wait. So, what is it? Uh, Wales is winning. Wales have won. What about England? You don't get that to your phone? No, no. Nil nil. It must so be, it must be, be almost done, right? Uh, the England, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and are they allowed to tie at this point still, or uh, do the do they do it's, they have to? No, football's all. It's all about the draws. <laughs> that's, I, that's, it's, that's what. It's so. It's so. I, I've come to appreciate football on a, on a greater level than than before when I didn't know anything about it, and that's true of any sport. The more you know about the the minutia and how it works, the more you appreciate it. But. Unlike any American sport, or our top sports, I guess, um, football, you can, and th- this is true, you can literally, you can watch the first five minutes, right, and you're with friends, and you're like, okay, I gotta, I gotta run out and do some errands, and uh, then I gotta hop in the shower, uh, and you can come back 30 minutes later, 30 minutes later, and go, uh, what's the score? Uh, it's still nil-nil. All right. And... Is there uh, any crazy sh- shit happen? No. Any, any red cards? Is there a red card or anything? No. Uh, is it like a change in momentum? No. Nothing! Nothing has changed! Nothing! Zero! Nothing! Yeah. Was there anything exciting? No. Nothing! It's terrible. And it's just about luck, really. Just like, oh, well, oh, we managed to kick that in. Oh, it went in. Fuck. Uh, oh, it's, we've won. Oh. It really, genuinely, is so stupid. And people, people take it so seriously, and they go, oh, no, how did England draw against this country? And they don't look at all the other results and go, oh, well, that amazing country lost to that Albania. And that, you know, they, it's a game where anyone of a certain standard, if you like some... If well, that's a, a professional, thing, though, if a professional team went out and played some children, they'd probably win every time. Not definitely. <laughs> that's, well, that's how bad it's been. It's not as bad as cricket, though. I mean, our sports are terrible. <laughs> it's a well, terrible but, thing. Well, but I get... I truly understand, uh, and I've had plenty of uh, uh, foreign friends who've come, and, and I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. Mm. Uh, and I've been watching it since I was a kid. And I know it. I know how it's played. I know the stuff that's that you can read between the lines, you know what's happening that you can't necessarily see and the decisions that are made constantly. And, um, uh, and, but for my foreign friends who come and watch a baseball game, it's excruciatingly boring. <laughs> it is, and I get it. I get it because you don't know what's happening. You don't know why. But I, I get the sense that cricket is kind of like that. Like if you knew more about cricket and where they're positioning and the wicket thing, No. <laughs> I know. I know all about cricket. I, I used to score cricket. I wasn't very good at cricket, but I used to be the score guy. Well, that I that think is, that those two things go hand you, in hand. You, don't they? you have to put dots in a box, six dots in a box, and if there's a run, you put one. 
It's a terrible, um, terrible small. Could I ask the gentleman for another John Smith's, please? If uh, I'm, you're sure gonna, can, I'm sure we can get you another drink. Make, make me stay we, up we, here longer. We won't make you stay much longer. I'm but concerned now, about my wife. Now you've. <laughs> that's yeah, I nice. I don't want her to you be bored. You're worried she's making out with someone in the audience. I just don't want her to be bored. <laughs> I don't want her phone to die because she's on the internet while. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing... How could she be bored? This is amazing. Are you going to. You got married. I've, I'm quite tired because I've got a little baby and I'm an old man. Uh, are you going? Are you thinking of having kids? Yeah, we're we've been trying for a while. Yeah. Uh, well, I have. Uh, <laughs> 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 she don't do shit. <laughs> if I can lay there and like, no, no. Uh, yes, we we uh, uh, want kids and uh, um, and we we've been. Uh, it, it's frustrating how you can have kids that you don't want at the time, uh, and then when you want kids, it's difficult to have them. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you got me again. Um, for those at home, he's pointed to the ceiling <laughs> as if to say to God. It, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it does feel like it's something that's very easy, and it's not very easy. To, well, sometimes it's very no, easy. No, I mean, it, yeah, when you, when you don't want them, you have them, and then when you want them, it's difficult to have them. So. But I see, I just like talking to people, and like talking to people out there with Marcus last week, and with you, your relationship with your dad. As a dad now, I'm kind of, this is oh, better. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Um, if Farage wins, he's on his way home, so that is... Uh, that's, <laughs> There'll be no beer. There'll be no beer. Um, <laughs> um, he won't. He definitely won't win. I mean, they'll know at home again how stupid I sound. Um, but, you know, it's, I'm terrified as a father that you kind of... It's so much responsibility, and then you think, oh, God, you know, what if my kids end up hating me and not wanting to see me for... you know? The, well, that's, it, there'll be a phase where that'll yeah, happen. Yeah. You just hope that phase is in a lifetime. Yeah. You know? But yeah, there'll be a there'll be a point where they're like, well, you know, I'm pretty. We cool, all went though. through that, right? It's, I know. It's yeah. when you it's when dad starts saying, "I'm pretty cool." That that's when that <laughs> usually <laughs> turns the kids off. How many kids do you have? I just have one. We got one, and so I've just I've left it reasonably late, as you have. Well, yeah. yeah. Right, and we all uh, get it, Richard. Yes. We get. It. <laughs> I, I didn't leave it. Uh, <laughs> And this, but it's a brilliant, it's absolutely brilliant. It's a, a brilliant thing to happen, but it's just utter, Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, and I, I uh, truly, it's something that I, I definitely desire, and I think I'd be good at. I have, I have uh, moments that pop into my head, because my dad was a fucking shitty dad, and, uh, um, and a shitty guy, but um, uh, I do have those moments like, oh my God, am I... Are there genetic DNA? Yeah, this, I guess that's... nature things in me that are going to be shitty to my kid. Am I going to? Uh, my dad had three kids, and basically, you know, at some point we're like, yeah, I thought I'd like kids, but I guess I, I guess I'm not that into it, and then took off, you know. And uh, I just don't, I don't want that moment of like, I thought I. would I thought I'd love this kid, but I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what to tell you. You've got to be true to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess, you know, it's, it's so difficult to uh, even contemplate that because, you know, you're so... 
the, the, it's, I say in my show when I start doing, talking about it, but it's kind of a weird thing because you love them to begin with and then you love them more every day and I've never experienced love going in that direction because usually it starts big and then just dissipates <laughs> gradually day by day like the air coming out of a balloon until there's literally nothing left so it's it's really terrifying to go in the other direction and know how much wow that's interesting yeah. i've never heard it uh <laughs> like that. no that is that is interesting but it, so i you know i think it takes us it would take something but weird, i i mean i, I love my wife more now than i did when I first met her, and yeah, I love well, her. If you're going to be honest about it, obviously yeah. the joke falls apart. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love my wife in a different way than I. Uh, no, I but I, but I, love, I, love does go stronger. But it's it's a it's a terrifying thing to know, and then for them to, it's like the baby knows that they've she's got you. You know, that's that's the that's my fear, Richard. Yeah. That's my fear. So she knows. Is that I'm going to sit there and go, you're fucking manipulating me. <laughs> and I know you know that. And you, I know you know I know that. Yeah. And I'm not going to let you fucking get away with that. <laughs> and then I turn into my father. Like, well, here, all right, uh, this may be, you know, may take uh, 50 years. But, yeah, I'm fucking, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, we're just older, Dad, so we'll just die before that happens. So we'll just, we'll true. leave them by dying, which is the cool way to leave. But that's, science, that's... but science, man. Yeah. In the next twenty-five, thirty years from now, science is going to be, you know, we're all going to have VR eyes. <laughs> Am I right, guys? <laughs> VR eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And can I talk to you about drugs? Sure. Do you have any good ones on? You know, I. Because I don't, I don't take drugs, and but you have taken some drugs. My yeah. friend Adam Buxton was slightly scared of you. I did a podcast with him and he talked about you. I like Adam. Back, I haven't yeah. seen him in quite a while. Well, but... he met you backstage at a gig and you were espousing that a certain drug was really good and he couldn't work out if you were joking or whether you meant it. And it wasn't saying it wasn't. One of the well, harder well, drugs was quite, that's quite dangerous. You're going, no, it's not that dangerous. It's fine. And he oh. didn't know. He didn't well, know if, if it was, was a joking conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, prob- no, I wouldn't joke about that. No. But I think a lot of... No, no. If we're having a conversation and somebody's asking me about... Because I remember the first time I took acid, I remember it was a very... uh, 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 Not an epiphany, but just a realization. uh, And I was so scared to take it. I was really apprehensive and anxious. and, uh, And all that anxiety and apprehension came from growing up and seeing those films they show you in school like you drop acid and then you a guy looks in the mirror and he sees a devil and then he peels his face off and then he jumps off the building he's like i'm superman you know and all those things like (laughs) oh my god i don't want that to happen to me why would i knowingly ingest this thing that's going to make me slice my eyes out and (laughs) jump off a building and where i think i'm superman um and then i took acid for the first time uh and it was like, well, it's not remotely like it was at all. I mean, it was a really pleasurable, fun, sometimes, you know, kind of a little uh, weird, sketchy moments. But it was, for the most part, it was awesome. And then I started doing more drugs that I had heard for, you know, all throughout my childhood or terrible, awful. And then, obviously, at that point, you're an adult and you go, I, I see how this works. Uh, and I've really only had one, uh, there's only been one drug that I... Uh, liked so much that I knew that I could never take it again. Right. Uh, and I was here actually in London, um, and it was. Uh, and I'm not. A, I'm not a, a, 
uh, addicted. I don't have an addictive personality. I'm not a, get, don't get addicted to things and can stop things whenever I want. Uh, I've done heroin plenty of times. Don't you know? Don't want to do it again. Not going to do it again. Uh, it, and that's supposedly the most addictive drug. But yeah, there's one that like I did it once. It was amazing. It was so amazing. I can never do it again. Okay. I mean, do you think it's? Do you, do you think it's really? Because I might just fear is that it would like alter my brain in a way that I wouldn't then recognize myself afterwards again. Yeah, but that's uh, that's uh, um, I don't want to say propaganda, but that is it, it's it's the that's all this. Sh- there are there are negative aspects about any drug and positive aspects about any drug that are told to you that are kind of bullshit. They're on yeah. the extreme ends. Like it's not gonna open up your mind, you're not going to, you know, uh, write the world's greatest novel because you took some peyote and you're not going to, you're also not going to, you know, uh, uh, kill your babies. You know, there, there's, there, those are two wild extremes. Yeah. You'll have a, an interesting experience and there, it's never, it's never been on either of the extremes, any of my drug experiences, and I've had a bunch that are like awful, awful or wonderful, wonderful. You know, those magic things that, you know, a bunch of hippies on the beach tell you are going to happen don't happen. And those (laughs) things that Christian, uh, you know, people tell you are going to happen if you smoke pot don't happen, Mm. you know. But people sometimes, like, die from taking drugs, don't they? Yeah, well, there are some drugs that are, uh, uh, if you go and buy from a certain person, uh, or, or, or uh, if you get them in a certain way, and, and again, it's specific to some kind of drugs that are cut with, but that's just sensible. Yeah. Thing. You don't want to go to a, uh, some sketchy, weird rave, you know, and a guy is pushing this stuff on you, and uh, that's just stupid. Then you're asking for it. You should... I'm going to give everybody here uh, a number. <laughs> he's, he's my guy. He's awesome. He's totally trustworthy. Uh, his mom's from Jamaica, if that means anything. Um, no, but if, I mean, yeah, there are people that are, you, you can't get street drugs from a, you know, and, and expect, or n- not be surprised when something goes wrong. When I, I had magic mushrooms once at, at Glastonbury, and I did see the devil, and he was, he was, he was masturbating a bit of liver. But then I looked again, it was just a guy stroking his girlfriend's arm. It was fine. Uh, it, was, it was okay. Or was that the hallucination, and it really was the devil with the liver? That's the I question. Think so, that, which... Yeah, I think it was... Uh, uh, the devil loves Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah. he loves so, uh, he's but there he's also a... very... Uh, uh, he loves liver as yeah. well. Because that's why if drugs make something that's really scary and bad look nice. And well, then it you does. Go, it then does. you walk towards it, and then it's the devil, and he gets your liver, and he masturbates for that. I, I guess, I mean, I wasn't brought up in a religious uh, environment, so I don't, uh, that's never a fear of mine, that I would conjure up the devil. Um, that's all based on your crazy, for, repressed you bullshit. You don't have to believe in him for him to come and get you, do you? <laughs> Were you were you born up in a um, born up? Uh, were you brought up in a religious? Oh, well, my parents, uh, you know, were quite re- and are quite religious. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, they were Christians, but I mean, not like overbearingly so. And I would and I turned against it when I well, was that's relevant. Young. But uh, it, it, but you had it doesn't matter if you eventually came out of it. Yeah. If it's in your brain, it's in your brain. Yeah. And if you're going to take mushrooms, that shit can unlock. Yeah. You know. 
I won't do it again. I had, <laughs> you, I you had should. Two, I had too many. I thought they were just like juiced. <laughs> well, that that's also part of the problem. You can't have. You can't take like nine hits of acid yeah. and. I had loads of them because they were nice. I thought. I thought. No, I did. I, nice. I made a, a, the, a, the dumbest, stupidest mistake. I had, I had a bunch of hash that I had brought back from Amsterdam, and I uh, put it in a coffee grinder, and I made brownies. So a bunch of friends of mine and I were going to go to Vegas. I was like, oh, I'm going to take all this blonde hash I got, this like, powerful hash, put it in the grinder, put it in this uh, mix, and make brownies. Uh, without ever once stopping to think about the proportion or any of that. And then... Stupidly, it didn't occur till like almost like maybe thirty seconds after the last bite went down, where I was like, "Oh, <laughs> hang on!" Uh, and a bunch of us just like tripping ball. It was awful. It was not good. Like I couldn't speak. I couldn't. And I had to be led around. And it's Vegas too, so it's a mile of like ding 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 ding. You know, bright lights and there's. It's designed to make you to trap you in there, so you can. And I literally had people had to come and take me by the hand, my friend, and not just me, but other people. And um, and that's but that's stupidity. That's like that's like not understanding how much you're supposed to take. Like with mushrooms, you take this much. This is the uh, how much. You know how how effective it'll be, and so you only want this much. You, you need to know that before you go into it. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll have a bad trip. You'll see the quite nice. devil jerking off a. Actually, if a devil was jerking off liver, yeah. is that it? That's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I, he's preoccupied. It's <laughs> not going to do anything to you. You just sort of go, "Oh, sorry," I and guess. then take your pick back. <laughs> It was because I caught his eye. That was the, you know, and it's like, I don't know if you've ever caught the eye of someone who's masturbating, even just with their genitals, but well, it, with meat. It's just like you catch their eye. And it's I'm, a bit, I'm sorry. There's an awkward if you're, moment. If you're out in the field in Glastonbury, <laughs> then there's no, it's not, oh, I'm so sorry to intrude on your privacy. The LZ bub. Good, I'll ask you, we'll, we'll wrap it up in a sec. You've taken coke in the, with the president, though, but not directly with him. No, that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I didn't, that, that's got blown out of proportion. I know, I've just done it myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was uh, um, the White House Correspondents' din- Dinner, which is much different than being in the Oval Office or something like that. But, uh, and yeah, the president was near me, um, and I just did it as part of an escalation of... Uh, Bets I, I I made with a friend of mine about you know top this top this and it started like years ago like little things and and I knew uh, um, and unfortunately it was it was oops, sorry it was uh, um, to me and I, you know I don't give a shit and uh, I don't care but I was there on the uh, I was invited through my wife who has a lot of friends uh, uh, you know involved in there and there were people that invited her and. So it reflected very poorly on her, and I, we weren't married at the time, and I felt terrible about that because there is a point, and it was an eye-opening experience because, like, I don't give a shit. I've got nothing to lose. I don't give a fuck. Um, but that's not true of everybody else. And so that was uh, a bummer, but the, the situation was just... I, I mean, when I say it was like a pinch of salt, it was nothing. You couldn't... It was this much, and it was only about, hey, look what I did. 
And it wasn't like a fucking chopped up a big fat rail in front of, you know, Scalia. And, you know, and uh, I just put a little bump. I brought it down with me uh, on the train. I put a little bump on my hand. And, uh, and I just, you know, I like kind of got my wife with my elbow there. And I was like, okay, I need a witness. And then <laughs> like that. And then, and that was it. That was yeah. honestly it. And then it got way blown out of proportion, you know. Because uh, uh, I ended up, the, I, I obviously had a little bit left over. You know, I just brought this little stuff with me. But then Obama had seen me do it. Uh, <laughs> whisper to a Secret Service guy. Secret Service guy comes down. What is that stuff? Where would you get it from? You know, who's the guy? Is it from Danny? Is it Danny? And then... <laughs> Uh, and then, like, hand it over. Fuck you, I'm not going to hand it over. And then it was just awkward, because I'm there at a table with, like, uh, uh, um, the, the Secretary of the Housing, housing and uh, um, Agriculture, and then Jake Tapper, this ABC correspondent. It was, it was really awkward, because this guy wanted the Coke to give to Obama, and I was like, <laughs> no. And that's what really... Yeah. That's, and that's where they made me look bad. <laughs> okay. I, th- I wonder if I'd t- taken drugs, whether I'd have done better as a comedian. That's why I, I think. Do you think it's got a um, no socialising? <laughs> no, I don't mean you. No, no. <laughs> no, because I couldn't be any better. Because I couldn't be any better. No, that's not what I meant. I couldn't be any better. I meant that it's not going to help if you're if you're as a social thing, not as a way of making you have crazy nutty eyes. Because everyone goes to you must be on drugs. Where do you get your crazy ideas from? From thinking about stuff uh, but uh, but like I, you know I think that I was always I didn't go to the parties and stuff because I didn't want to be involved in all that stuff so don't you think that networking aspect of it oh no no I, I, no no, no. Um, I I mean t- it's to each his own and like I I don't do well with pot I really I, I smoked weed for a long long time Lo- lots lots and lots and lots and I just had to grow up and go I don't do well with this I don't, I don't, I'm not productive. The shit that I write, the stuff I come up with is garbage. Absolute garbage. It's a waste of time. I'm antisocial. I'm already somewhat antisocial. I'm even more antisocial and I'm uh, prone to anxiety, little bits. And uh, back then I certainly was and, and it just makes it worse. And then I had to just say, no, I'm not good with weed. But I can recognize that other people... Because uh, we're all made up of chemicals, and when we introduce these other chemicals to our chemicals, we all react differently. Uh, I can drink uh, 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 two, three, four times the amount that other people can drink, and uh, and still be coherent and, and conduct myself. Uh, and some people can have three drinks and just fucking lose it, but they can smoke a pound of weed and they're fine. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's different for everybody, but. I truly don't think you should ever take drugs. <laughs> I'm going to do it for next week. Before, between now and next week, I'm going to take a different drug every day. That was my, that was um, my secret plan. And then I'll, I'll email you. I let you would now, turn in defiance and go, I'm going to do all this. I will. No, I don't, I, don't think you'd, uh, no, I don't think you would handle it well. I, you're right. Yeah. I, don't, I, think I, if the, I think you would just, if nothing else... Uh, really annoy the people you were with. 
with your constant updates about how you were in the situation, what's going on, ask, peppering them questions like, do I feel, am I crazy? Do I look crazy? No. I'm but you can understand me, right? No, I should never do this again. Or should I? Should, maybe I should do it again. No, nah, I won't. No, no, I should. I should. Definitely be, it's because of that, because I'm asking myself right now, well, at least I got myself talking. Okay, so that's a good thing. I'm going to do it for uh, Vic Reeves next week. That would, that would, be, a po- that would be a podcast. Whew. Okay, so let's uh, let's wrap it up. Yeah, <laughs> I've just you know I've just I'm imagining your bladder at the moment and just thinking I wonder how long I can get him to sit there before he wets himself. <laughs> How's your bladder's control? Um, it's uh, it could use an emptying. <laughs> I'll be honest. All right, well uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap, I've got to, we'll end on a high with a fantastic um, emergency it's... question: Is a sex with a ghost cheating? Uh, absolutely not. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, but you're at, maybe you're asking the wrong person. I think uh, uh, sex with anything, uh, like I'll, I, I have sex with corpses, right? <laughs> and to me, that's not cheating. I have a lo- I have a list. You know, uh, do they speak English? No. Well, that's not cheating. <laughs> like I have a I have a long list of. <laughs> Ghost sex is okay. What about if you had sex with a Bigfoot? Would that be cheating? Um, it doesn't matter because it would be so... Uh, it's almost like one of those monkey paws yeah. uh, type of situations because you would live your life. You'd go crazy because you'd want to tell people, I fucked Bigfoot. <laughs> but you can't because they wouldn't believe you. And you just look like an idiot. But yeah. you know that you fucked Bigfoot. So it's... So it's it, although uh, uh, technically it's cheating, it's kind of not cheating because no one will ever find out about okay. it. That's it. And they won't believe you even if you say it. No. You know. It's, it's quite a good person to cheat with when you think about it. You have yeah. to cheat with someone. Oh, no, uh, definitely cheat with Bigfoot. You know, yeah. They say Bigfoot. I've embarrassed and ashamed myself. <laughs> and I will go and take all the drugs in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, give a big round of applause, David Cross. Thank you. Thank you very much. See you next time. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Let's Describe the Other Podcast with me, returning and my guest, David Cross. The music is, as always, by Pest. They come in every week. I don't know why. You could just record it for us once and then we could just play it in the background. Thank you to everyone at GoFasterStripe.com. Thank you to everyone at TheLeftSquareTheatre.com. Thank you to everyone at TheBritishComedyGuide.com. I think they're actually Comedy.co.uk uh, for all their help in putting this together. Thank you to Ian Tunes. He's at iTunes.com. Uh, thank you to our sound recordist, George, who's done this today. Because our producer, Ben Walker, couldn't be bothered to come in to do this bit. He's getting above himself. That's two weeks in a row now. Uh, he, our producer was Ben Walker. This is a fuzz. GoFasterStripe.com and Sky Potato production for the internet. Thanks for listening. Go to RichTaring.com. You can read my blog there. That's another free thing if you, don't, you haven't got enough free stuff. Uh, that's RichTaring.com slash warming up. Um, I'll be doing various gigs in July, warming up for my new tour, which is called The Best. It's a best of show. Go to richchain.com slash gigs and you can find out if I'm coming near you with that in 2016 and 2017. Uh, if you're listening after that time, go and look at richchain.com slash gigs and you'll see what I'm doing now. 
I may be dead, in which case there will be no gigs there. If you're listening in the very, very distant future, or maybe, you know, who knows what will come. Maybe, maybe I'm already dead. Who knows? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm alive at the moment. Thanks for listening. Bye.